Yeah, just as Kathleen mentioned, my name is Michelle, and I am one of the staff here at SNU. And this is actually my third year on staff. And so I've been here since we did large group, two years starting 2013. And so, um, yeah, it's, I'm really blessed and really honored to have my preaching debut here at SNU Emmaus. And I'm really excited about the word that I feel like the Lord has given to me to preach to you guys today. And so uh, if you guys have your Bibles, can you open it up to Acts 28? And then I'll read, be reading verses 1 through 10. So Acts 28, verses 1 through 10. Okay. Um, yeah, you can just follow along as I read. And so it says, After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed, welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Um, just bow your heads with me as I say a quick prayer. Uh, God, I just thank you uh, for every single person that is here, especially all the students who came despite being in the middle of midterms, God. So, Lord, I declare just fresh grace uh, for them to be fully present um, during this time. And, Lord, I just pray that the word would go out, um, that our hearts would be just fertile soil, God, to receive all the words, Lord. And I pray that... Um, yeah, that we would just be ready to hear your voice tonight, God. So, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just highlight this word, that you would begin to speak to us deeply and give us fresh revelation, God. So, Lord, I thank you that your presence is here, and we honor you, Jesus. pray all this in Jesus' name. Okay, uh, just to give a little bit of background on this passage, what we see happening is Paul was on his way to Rome. He was a prisoner, and he was about to go and appeal to Caesar. And so they're on the ship, and they're facing all these storms, and all of a sudden, they get shipwrecked. And so what happens is they get shipwrecked, and they land on this island named Malta. And um, what we see is, like, he has this destination. Paul is like, I'm going to Rome. I'm going to appeal to Caesar. And what's actually really interesting is that this was part of, like, the fulfillment of the promise of God, because when we see God encounter Paul on the Damascus road, he like, says, like, I set apart this man to preach to the Gentiles and before kings. So we see Paul on the way to go and um, walk into the promise of God that he would be able to testify before like, the kings, right? And so we see him on this boat, this boat filled with many, many prisoners, and all of a sudden they encounter heavy storms, heavy seas, and they get shipwrecked. And I feel like this can also be like a symbolism of what many of us go through. So we receive a promise of God. We have these dreams and these passions. We feel like we received a calling from God, and yet all of a sudden we find ourselves on this island that we never expected, or all of a sudden we find ourselves going through storms, going through a shipwreck that we never expected. And a lot of times we can ask, like, God, what is going on? Am I really following the call of God? If I was 
really walking towards the promise of God, why would it be so hard? Why is it so tough? Why am I encountering all these different things? And I think God wants to give us a fresh perspective on how we encounter these shipwrecks, how we encounter these unexpected detours um, through looking at Paul's time on Malta. And so um, I, want to I want you to just ask yourself, how do you perceive shipwrecks? Do you see it as something that is always negative? Do you see it as Satan trying to destroy you? Do you see it as an attack coming against you? Do you see it as something because you are weak and you are not strong and you are just a frail, poor little Christian who does not know how to stand on the promises of God? Or um, do you see it as something that God can redeem? And so this is something I want you to just be asking yourself as I go through this word. Just really, um, yeah, ask yourself, like, do the shipwrecks that I've seen in my life, do I see them as something negative? Or how am I viewing these different shipwrecks? And so I want you to take a look at verse 1 again. And I'm going to go back through. I'm just going to go and break down this passage verse by verse. And it says, after we were brought safely through. And I think this is really important. Um, that they were brought safely through because if you look in the earlier passage in Acts 27, Paul encounters an angel. So an angel of God comes to Paul while he was on the ship, and they're going through all these storms, and the sailors are questioning what is going on. They think that they're going to die. Everyone wants to just jump ship. But the angel of the Lord comes and says, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. So this is the fulfillment of the promise. And it says, Behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So pretty much the angel of the Lord came to Paul and said, Do not be afraid, for you and everyone on this boat will be safe. For you and everyone on this boat will not perish. You guys will be safe. And so as Luke, who is writing this, he says, After we are brought safely through, is showing God's already fulfilling his promises. He's showing that God is already faithful. And so it says, uh, also says that they, the, made, the native people showed unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. Everyone say unusual kindness. Other, like, other translations say extraordinary kindness, and the message translation says, the natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. So they received un this unexpected and unmerited uh, favor to Paul. And this would make absolutely no sense, because if you're shipwrecked on an island with these native people that you like, speak no common language with, and during this time, like, they had no idea who each other were, I think the last thing you would expect would be to be like stepping on the islands, like, oh, these people really like me. Oh, these people want to take care of me. Oh, these people are very hospitable to me. And so it just shows the favor of God that was on Paul and upon these sailors. And so um, I think I want you guys to just, I want you guys to think, like, man, when I am shipwrecked and I encounter these different islands, these different detours, are there actually areas of blessing? Are there areas of favor that I have just missed? Because I feel like um, there's a lot of times where there's actually hidden blessings or hidden favor or hidden hospitality that we forget to really see because we're so caught up in the shipwreck, that we're so caught up in not being on plan, not being on course. And also, if you take a look at verse 3, it says, When Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. He, however, this is verse 5, he, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. And so this is where we see Paul's response to first being shipwrecked. Um, I think 
for me personally, I'm a person who's very organized. I always have to stick to the plan. I like to plan like everything and way in advance. I have to know what I'm doing like five days from now, like to the hour. And I'm like, especially because I'm working now. And so these are my work hours and whatever free time, I block it off and I schedule it. And so I like stick to my schedule as much as possible. So whenever something comes up unexpectedly, I start freaking out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, my whole schedule, my whole day is ruined. My whole week is ruined. Like, it is not going according to plan. And so um, I felt as I was reading this passage, God was teaching me, like, Michelle, you need to learn from Paul on how to respond. Like, that's not even a shipwreck. Like, maybe I have to go meet someone that I didn't expect to meet. That is not a shipwreck, but I act like my life is over. Um, but I think this verse is three to five. That's I think this is the, really the heart of how we should respond during our shipwreck moments. And it says, Paul's response, if you look at Paul's response to being shipwrecked, was not just to wallow in self-pity, not to ask, God, why is this happening? Lord, I'm already a prisoner. You told me I was going to preach to Caesar. This is a promise that I have, yet I'm here on this island. I suffered through the storm. I couldn't eat for 14 days. All these sailors were complaining. I have no idea what these people are saying on this island. We don't speak the same language. It is cold. And so, like, if that was me, I would probably just sit there and probably cry and just be really upset. But Paul, what he, he first... Um, what he first does is he also begins to pick up wood and put it into the fire. So he is not just sitting there wondering, man, when can I get off this island? Man, why am I stuck here? But he decides, no, I'm going to um, have confidence in God, and I put my trust in him, and so I'm going to just serve. I'm going to take up this wood and put it into the fire. And so we don't see him struggling with hopelessness. We don't see him struggling with anger. And we don't see him struggling with frustration. But he's actually being very outward focused. And so the first thing I want to highlight is fire. So everyone say fire. fire. And so this is symbolic of a couple things. And the first thing is, I think in this passage, the fire can also represent the Holy Spirit. And um, one thing I really like that it said was, where, uh, he had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire. And we already see that the natives have already started a fire. And a lot of times I feel like we can look at our situations and we see someone who's already burning with fire. And especially if we're going through a shipwreck moment, if we're going through a moment where we feel kind of confused, kind of lost, kind of frustrated, we can see like, they're my leader is carrying that fire, so I can just burn off their fire. I can just you know, go off the flow of their fire. Or we can come into large group, we can come into our familias, and you're not, you're having a really bad week, maybe something really stressful happened at school or in your family, and you said, man, I'm not really feeling it, but I know my leader is anointed, so I'm just going to burn off his fire. But that's not what Paul did. He said he knew that the presence of God was with him. He knew the promise of God that was for him. He knew the commitment that God made to him, and he chose to keep on burning the fire that was already there. He didn't what you can't do is, you know, no one else can burn the fire for you. We can motivate you, your staff and your leaders, we can motivate you, we can encourage you, we can preach you the word of God, we can pray for you. But that fire that's in your heart, no one else can burn it but you. No one else can add fuel to the fire but you. And so I think one thing we need to know is when we go through shipwreck moments, when we feel like we're frustrated, when we feel like we're lost and we're confused and we're way off course, God's going to ask us, like, are you just going to sit there and wallow and just try to burn off of someone else's fire? Because you're not going to last long. You're going to remain cold. You're going to remain disillusioned. Or are you going to gather up the sticks around you? Are you going to gather up the things that I have placed around you? 
And are you going to fuel the fire? Are you going to burn for me? And um, I think this fire that he helped to burn, it refocused his eyes back on God. So it refocused his eyes back on God, away from the situation, away from the cold, away from being hungry. But it allowed him to see God. It allowed him to remain in the presence of God. And so um, what happens next, though, is really, really interesting. And it says, a viper came and bit the hand of Paul. So it fastened onto his hand. But more interestingly, it said, a viper came out because of the heat. And so first thing a viper represents is discouragement or it can represent satan himself and we see this even in genesis when eve was tempted with by the snake it was um just a representation of satan and so this can also represent when we're already in a place of confusion and doubt when we're already in an island and a misery or a shipwreck satan can even try to attack you even more and be like look you're not following the promises of god look where you are right now you're weak you're confused you're lost you're way off course you can just give up you can just sit here Um, And he tries to poison us with these deceptions. He tries to kill us with these deceptions. And he tries to confuse us and bring um, just a lot of discomfort, a lot of disillusionment. But it said the viper came out because of the heat. And what I want to tell you guys is you're not getting attacked because you're weak. You're not, Satan's not attacking you because you're weak and he's like, oh, you're so weak, so I'm just going to attack you because you're already vulnerable, but because of the heat that exists, and it's because of the Holy Spirit that is in you, because of the threat that you um, give off, it's because of the power of God that is in you that this viper came out. And so you need to shift your perspective on when you're on these islands, when you're on these shipwrecks, like, if you're getting more attacked and you feel like, man, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I going through this? Why do I have so much confusion? Why am I so lost? We need to really ask, like, and reanalyze the situation. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have committed your life to God, the Spirit of God has come within you. The Spirit of God is burning within you. The Spirit of God is on you. The favor of God is on you. The anointing of God is on you. And therefore, where the light of God is, where the presence of God is, darkness cannot exist. And so what we see, even on the missions field, is there will be an altar call. And the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit just breaks out. And you see all of a sudden someone manifesting on the side, maybe with like a demonic manifestation. And people get confused and say, if the power of God is here, how can someone be manifesting so demonically? And what we see is happening is um, these like demonic manifestations, like the spirit of darkness, it cannot remain in a place where there is light. So it's getting exposed. And in that same way, in our life, there's situations where um, there's maybe certain like hidden fears there's certain insecurities that we face but because the power of god is on you and because god wants to bring freedom he's going to let those things come to light so you can deal with it and it cannot exist because god wants to fill you with his spirit so something else has to come out and so um, we can see here that because paul carries such a heavy presence of the fire of god this viper came out and what was meant as a attempt to dissuade him what was meant as an attempt to even kill him it actually did nothing to him and it said he shook it off into the fire and so what he did is like he took this this viper and he just shook it off into the fire and i don't know about you guys but if i had a like snake fastened to my hand my first instinct would not to just be shake it off my first instinct would probably be to scream or just sit there and be so confused that was happening but um it I think this is really just a representation of how we are supposed to respond to these things. 
And it says, Paul was able to overcome Satan's attempt to bring discouragement or harm by throwing the snake into the fire or allowing it to be overcome by the power of God that was in him. So he took what was meant to harm him. He took what was meant to disillusion him. And he said, no, I know the power of God in me is so much stronger than what is coming against me. And so he didn't even worry about it. He just shook it off. And in that same way, when we are encountered with these situations, we're supposed to know that the power of God who is within us is so much greater and so much more able to overcome any discouragement, any disillusionment from Satan. And so he overcame Satan through the burning of the fire because he was already focused on God. He allowed the presence of the Holy Spirit to be burning in him, and he wasn't even faced by any of Satan's attempts to dis- uh, of distraction or discouragement. And in that same way, when we focus upon the Holy Spirit, when we focus on the love and the joy and the peace that he brings, we're able to easily shake off any vipers that come our way because the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us is so much greater than the power of any enemy. And so, um, yeah, I really want this to seek in because I think it's really easy for us when we're already discouraged, when we're already somewhat confused, when we're already feeling we're away from the promise of God, it's so much more easy to be more discouraged. And it's kind of like the cycle of discouragement. And if you're like me, my personality is I tend to overanalyze, I tend to overthink. And so when something bad happens, I kind of just think like, man, life kind of sucks. And I remember one time, like I wasn't in a very good mood. I was on a bus and I don't remember where I was going. I was like sitting on the bus and um, I was like looking at my life and I made a five-year plan. And, um, and I think I made this when I was 20. I'm 24 right now. And when I looked at my life, it was nothing like my five-year plan. And I kind of got the And I mean, there's like five-year plans that you guys can make out of your own ambitions and desires. But some of the stuff that I planned in my five-year plan, I really believed like were dreams and passions that God put on my heart. And so I kind of envisioned it in my own mind. And I was like, okay, this is the dream and the vision that God has kind of placed upon my heart, so this is my destination, and I'm going to move forward in A, B, and C, and D, and this is how I'm going to move forward. But then three or four years later, I'm sitting on a bus just thinking about life, and I look at this old man on the street. He's like this old, this old, old grandpa, and I looked at him, and I was just thinking, I was like, man, if he looks upon his life, if he just took a moment to reflect on his life, is he happy? Or would he think it was just a waste of time? And I was, like, beginning to go into this spiral of, like, depression and just, like, overthinking everything. And then I looked upon my life, and I was like, man, these last three years, like, what have I been doing? This is, like, my destination is point Z, and I'm supposed to be here at, like, point, what's the middle of alphabet, like, L or M? And I'm still, like, not even in the alphabet. I'm, like, at point zero. And I was like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so discouraged, like, how am I supposed to get to that place from where I am right now? I feel like I completely went off course. I feel like I completely went the wrong way. I turned around and walked the opposite direction. And so I was feeling really discouraged. I was feeling very, um, very overdramatic, probably very emotional. And in that place, like when we're already feeling kind of like disillusioned, when we're already feeling like we're completely off course, it's so much easier for us if we're not walking with the Holy Spirit to feel even more depressed and get into the cycle of even more depression. And what happens is it's like this negative cycle that never stops ending. And next thing I know, like I'm at home and I was just like, what is the point of life? Like, like God, I know that you love me and I know that I am your child, but man, like 
can I just like go to heaven? Like, I, I can't do this anymore. And I was so discouraged. And the reason why I feel like I was able to be so discouraged is because I wasn't reflecting on the Holy Spirit. I wasn't burning the fire of God in my heart. I wasn't taking the different blessings that he had already placed around me and putting it into my fire. I wasn't taking the prayers, the encouragements, even just the connection I had with other people. But I was just sitting there un unwilling to touch the wood that God had given to me. And it's like when he was on this island, the wood was already there. The stuff that you can burn is already there for you. You have your leaders. You have your um, this community, Emmaus. You have the word of God. You have prayers. You have all these different resources available to you. It's not like you have to go and like scour, like dig and scour for it. But the wood for you to burn upon your heart is already there. But are you going to humble yourself? Are you going to take the extra step of energy to pick it up and burn it into the fire? Or are you just going to sit there waiting for someone else's fire to automatically just burn for you? And I want you guys to just think, like, in your shipwreck moments, I'm pretty sure that there has been, even if it was hard to see, there was some little twig that you could have burned or whether it was like a huge log you could have burned, there was something there. God always provides wood for us to burn. And even in the case of Paul, um, it said like during the storm, the angel of the Lord came to him and assured him and gave him a promise. And what this really represents to us is that God is always there with us. God will always ensure that he speaks a promise to us, even if it feels like we're going through a storm of life, even if it feels like we're shaky, even if it feels like we're so disconnected, even when we feel like we're so filled with fear, the angel of the Lord came to him. And maybe for you, you might not get an angel of the Lord coming and speaking to you directly face to face, but you have leaders, you have people in this community who will speak the word of God to you, who will encourage you by the spirit of God and so in that same way like are we taking their words for granted think of the prayers that you've received during your tough seasons and I really believe that those prayers those words of encouragement were for the very voice of God trying to encourage you trying to tell you I am faithful to you this is my promise to get you to your destination you might experience shipwreck you might experience this island that you do not know you might experience these detours but will you remember the words I spoke over you? Or are you simply laying the words of your leaders or of those people around you just to just fall to the ground? Because we need to take the words of God seriously. And whether it comes through a leader, whether it comes through a friend, whether it comes through even maybe a sermon that you heard or a video or even song lyrics that you heard that represent the promise of God, are you really holding fast on to these things or are you letting them just slip by? And so... Um, yeah, if we look at verse 6, it says, They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to them, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And so we see Paul already. He, had, he kindled the fire. He's burning the fire. He shook up uh, the viper into the fire. And what happens next is these people assume, like, man, the reason why he's getting bit is because there is justice for him so kind of like the concept of karma it's like you did something bad and now it's finally catching up to you but because he had no negative reaction because he was able to just simply shove it off um, their perspective on Paul completely shifted and this is also symbolic of what 
our response to these vipers of these um, discouragement can also do for other people. Because a lot of times when we get shipwrecked, it becomes all about me, me, me. My plans are ruined. My promises from God has failed. God has failed me. I am stuck. I am so uh, like weak. I am so confused. And it becomes so inward focused. But first, we saw Paul was already outward focused. And second, what happened was that the shift of the, the mindset of the islanders completely changed. They thought he was a murderer, and it went completely to the other side to thinking that he was a god. Like, what kind of shift is that, right? And um, I really believe, like, this allowed their hearts to be opened. Because if you look later on in the passage, he was invited to the chief man's house for three days where they got to have fun, party it up in a good way, um, be entertained, showed all this hospital. Um, hospitality, hospitality, oh my gosh, <laughs> hospitality, um, they're very hospitable to him, that's what I was trying to say, um, and I think it's really because of the response that they saw from Paul, and so in the same situation, like, if you look at your moments of um, feeling like you're lost, or even just tough circumstances, even if you feel like you're going through a wilderness season, or just a tough time, a time that's filled with stress, your response could be the key to other people getting a revelation of God. And so, um, yeah, I really felt like God, when I was reading through this passage, this was something that God was really, really highlighting to me is in your shipwreck moments, in your times of testing, in your times of feeling confused, in your times where you feel like you're so distant from God, in the times where it's so hard to remain, in the times where you feel like you're walking through the furnace, your response, more than anything else, is going to be a testimony of who Jesus is. It's going to be a testimony of the presence of God in your life. Because honestly, you could say the most extraordinary prayer ever. You could lead the most amazing worship song. You could um, preach the most amazing sermon. But if your life does not reflect the promise of God, if your life does not reflect the Holy Spirit, it's going to be for nothing. So it's all about your response. And so when you see um, these people, like what happens later on in the passage is that first the chief's father was healed. And so it said Paul laid hands on him, and he was healed of his disease. And because of that, all these multiple people from the island came to Paul to become healed. And I really believe that what the islanders witnessed through the viper, through Paul shaking off the viper, through him not being affected at all by any of Satan's attacks, was that, man, this, God, this person, he's a god. But more than that, they realized there's something supernatural about him. Like, this is not normal. This cannot happen to a normal like a human being but we see the promise of god being fulfilled in his life we see that he is not harmed because the angel of the lord said that you would not be harmed no one would be no one would perish out of his group on the ship and so when other people see how we respond to shipwrecks or other attacks and obstacles and frustrations yet we um, are not moved and we remain steadfast it can give them a revelation of who god is and it's an open door for their hearts to be open to receive christ and uh, I was kind of trying to do some research in terms of what happened in Malta after this shipwreck moment. And because through this passage, it says that the islanders were healed, but didn't mention anything in terms of if someone got saved or not. And um, I read like different, dif different like sources and different websites. And so according to these sources, it said that... Um, Paul was actually the entryway of Christianity into Malta. And what happened was, supposedly what happened was uh, Publius, the person whose father was healed, he eventually converted to Christianity or he accepted Christ because of what he saw through his father's healing. And he became a, the first bishop on that island and therefore people started to convert to Christianity. And so I want you guys to keep this in your mind. Is, um, 
because of one small act of faith, because Paul was so in line with what God was doing, because he was not moved to the right or to the left, it opened this door for years and years down the road for this island to be saved, for this island to encounter God through just one moment, through just shaking off any attack of the enemy. And I want you guys to think about your own lives. Is when we respond to attacks in, the, in a step of faith, when we respond to um, Satan's attempts to discourage us, when we respond to times of frustration or hardship, your one act of faith can open the hearts of many people. It can lead to salvations. It can lead to healings. It can lead to change in a nation on an island. But are you aware of the power that you hold? Are you aware of the power of your response? And so, um, yeah, I want you guys to really, really reanalyze and shift your perspective on how we respond to these shipwrecks. And it says that um, because they were all healed, it says later in Acts 30, that at the, oh, Acts 29 in the end, or Acts, end of Acts 28, there is no 29, 30, I'm sorry. Um, the end of Acts 28, verses 30, that's what I meant, is he lived there two whole years, this was when he was in Rome, um, at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all the boldness and without hindrance. And we see, one, the people of Malta, they received physical healing and eventually salvation, but two, the Paul's ministry, he was able to serve, he was able to pour out without being hindered at all and um, I really believe that this time on his island and through all the other encounters and obstacles that Paul's faced throughout his life was really helping him to walk into the fullness of the promise that God had given to him because if you remember the promise that God gave to him on Damascus Road was that he was going to testify to the Gentiles he's going to testify before kings but um would he really be able to fully testify if he had not gone through all these encounters, if he was not made sure of the power of God that was in him, if he was not already completely steadfast in the one who saved him and redeemed him? Because if you receive such a uh, huge purpose, like you are going to testify about Jesus before kings, you know, these people have the power if they disagree with you to kill you. These people have the power if they disagree with you to put you in prison. These, power, these people have the power to put you in isolation, to cast you off, to do whatever they wanted to do to you if they were in disagreement with you. So you need to be sure about who you are. You need to be sure about Jesus if you're going to have this kind of calling. But he said that he was able to minister without any hindrance. He was able to stand before the kings without being moved and I really believe it's through these different trials that Paul faced that he was able to get this such faith because he went through these, these shipwrecks. And it said that um, if you read through, he actually encountered like three different shipwrecks, Paul, and he encountered being in prison. So he encountered all these different trials and, and circumstances. But I believe it was just an opportunity for him to really understand the commitment of God to him, the commitment and the promises that God has already spoken over him so that he could step into the fullness of the calling that God gave to him. And so, um, and as we look at the end of the passage, it also says in verse 10, um, they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. And so, um, first, obviously, if you're shipwrecked, you come to an island with absolutely nothing. So they came hungry. They came cold. They came with absolutely nothing. Their ship is broken. Yet they leave with everything that they absolutely needed. And in ancient times, uh, this is what I read from my study Bible, so I'm assuming it's accurate. 
is that um, in ancient times, the people who were on boats, the sailors, they actually needed to bring all their meals for them or all the food that they needed for their journey on their own. And so I don't know about you, but um, so I like to meal plan for my week. And man, meal prepping takes so much work. Like it, I like hours of my day goes into planning for like, what, 15 meals for the week. And I'm just at the end of two hours, I was like, is this really worth it? Like, man, I'm so tired. I spent two, three, four hours of my time making food that I eat in five minutes. And so like kind of get like if you're on a journey, it's going to take more than a week, right? It's going to take more than a week for you to sail from Jerusalem to Rome or wherever you're going. Um, and so imagine that you're a sailor and you know that you're going to embark on this long journey and you have to bring all your food for that journey. Do you know how stressed out I would be if that was me? Like, I don't know how many hours of planning it would take. And your food is probably going to go bad. So you have to find food that stays fresh for however long, especially in days where they have no technology and preservatives. And so these people, they had absolutely nothing. And usually they were expecting to have to prepare and find all their food and gather it and prepare, um, provide for themselves. Yet it said that they were given everything that they needed. So they came on with absolutely nothing. They came with their hands pretty much empty, but they left completely blessed. They left completely overflowing and blessing. And it's when God brings us through these moments, we feel like we're completely lacking. We feel like we're completely lost. We feel like, oh man, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to contribute. But actually, it's the place where God wants to give you even greater blessing. It's a place where you can feel like you come completely empty, but God's not going to leave you in that same condition. When we feel like we're not on course, when we feel like we're away from his promises, he actually does it so that we can become more equipped. Because oftentimes when we go through storms, when we go through these rocky situations and we end up being shipwrecked, it's kind of forcing us to let go of things that we're not supposed, we're not supposed to be holding on to anyways. And so there are certain maybe areas of your life, maybe certain pride issues, certain fears, certain insecurities that God's saying, like, no, in order to get to my promise, these things have to go. But So I'm kind of going to force you to let go of it so that there's room for me to give you the fullness of my blessing. And this is really um, kind of like a time of preparation, a time where God's equipping us to really walk into the fullness of the promise. Um, it's, it's the mindset that you have about your shipwreck time or the mindset that you have about your times of struggle, your times of hardship. Um, it really should be shifted towards like a time where we can be strengthened, where we can be built up and we can be equipped. And, uh, you know, everyone says this quote, and sometimes I hated hearing it because they're like, it's all about the journey, not the destination. And I hated hearing that. I'm like, I want to get to the destination. I don't care about the journey. I just want to get to point wherever point I need to go, right? But in, I think that's, this quote can actually hold true for some of us, um, actually for a lot of us, is... Yeah, the destination is important. Yeah, there's a certain calling and destiny that God has given to you that he wants you to walk into, but God cares more about how you get there. God cares about the heart that you're developing because you can look all good and put together on the outside, but if your heart isn't there, you're going to fall apart. And God never sends us into a situation. God never sends us into a place where we're unequipped so to say we may feel like we're unequipped but by his spirit he has given us everything but he will never let us go into a place that we're not able to stand in and so um yeah i feel like 
kind of what I mentioned earlier was this was really an opportunity to strengthen Paul, to really build him up so that he could be prepared for the calling and the destiny that was upon his life. But as we see with Paul and these sailors, God wanted to give, God wanted to give him something greater. And in that same way, God wants to give us something greater. But if you're caught in hopelessness, if you're caught in frustration, if you're just wallowing in self-pity, looking inward, you're unable to receive all that God has given to you. Because if we look at this passage, it kind of just flows together, right? If we start with Paul, he steps onto this island, and he kindles the fire, he's, which means that he's walking in alignment with the Spirit. He's able to pour out, to look outward, be fully present with what God wants to do. So therefore, he's able to go and heal this person's father and therefore bring all this healing to all these other islanders and therefore we see salvation come to these people. So it's all in this flow because he was connected by the spirit of God. And so, um, yeah, I want you guys to like think about moments in your life where you felt very frustrated or where you felt like you were going through a crazy storm. And I'm pretty sure all of us had difficult moments in our lives, whether it's family issues, whether it's issues with friendships, issues with addictions, issues with our self-image, whatever it would be, we can, I think every single person can pinpoint a part in their life where it was really tough, where it was hard. And for me personally, um, I think the biggest area of one of my, I guess, like shipwreck moment or moment where I felt very disconnected from the promise of God was with my family. And um, I pretty much recommitted my life to Christ when I was in college. And back then, uh, my brother was not going to church. My parents, I don't think they were, they were like nominal Christians, I would say. It's just Christians by name, but they weren't going out to church. And I felt God give me a promise early on. It's like, I'm going to bring restoration and redemption to your family. And so this is what I prayed for, and this is what I held on to. And I really believe to the very end that, God, you are going to bring healing and restoration to my family. And this is something that I would pray for year after year after year to see it come into fulfillment. But what actually happened, I found, was the more I prayed, the more I fasted, the more I contended for my family, like, things seemed to get worse. And so my brother, he was already addicted to drugs, but I saw over the years that his addiction got even worse. Um, I saw it got to a point where my parents, their marriage was, like, falling apart, and they would blame my brother for it. And even, I think it was, like, a little over a year ago, when I came back from missions, I found out the day I came back from missions, I found out that my brother had gone to prison. And so... I was like, Lord, what the <laughs> heck? If you guys heard my testimony from last semester, that was the title of my testimony. And I said, this is what I said all the time. I was like, Lord, what the heck? And, and it's not like, because I was so frustrated because this was like seven, six, seven years that I was contending for my family, believing for things to get better, when in the natural and the physical, they only got worse. And so I remember I would pray, pray, pray for my brother, and I'd be like, Sean, that's my brother's name. Um, sorry if you're listening to this, but you have to come out to Emmaus. Like, you have to come out. So he would come out to Emmaus, and I was like, praise the Lord. God is moving in my family. And my parents were like, yeah, maybe we'll go to church. And I was like, hallelujah, God, you are so good. And I was so excited. But then next thing I know, my brother's in Emmaus. He's coming out to a large group. He's going out to Familia. He's coming out to church. And I was like, okay, encounter, retreat is coming out. Oh, man, Holy Spirit, blast him. And he left, and I was like, how's retreat? He's like, yeah, that's, that's good. I was like, and I was like, that's my bro- maybe that's just, like, him being him, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure there's nothing more that happened. And then next thing I know, like, his addiction gets even worse. He's stealing from my parents. Um, and I was getting really, really confused and disillusioned. I was like, God, didn't you promise 
that you were going to bring redemption to my family, but why does it feel like I'm so far off course? Why does it feel like I'm on this island that I cannot get out of because things were getting worse and worse, and he went to prison, and I was like, okay, God, um, I'm going to hold fast to your promise that he's going to get out of prison, but then we found out his sentencing came up, and he was sentenced to two and a half years, and that's when I felt like I had completely lost hope, and I was like, there is no way... Maybe I heard your promise wrong. Maybe the promise that you gave me, maybe I was just so too hopeful that I didn't hear it right. Maybe you never really promised me this. Maybe you didn't really mean to redeem my family. And that's what I was walking through. But cut long story short, um, my brother had, we had an appeal and he actually got set free. And so this was last summer. So he got set free um, and he's now in the States working and um my parents actually go to church. My mom got baptized. She got to share her testimony in front of thousands of people. Or got to, yeah, I think she shared her testimony. Um, it was like on TV because she's like went to this huge church. So I saw it on TV in the morning. And then my dad is actually part of um, a small group. He goes out to small group. And so I was just like, really? Like when I look at my life, when I stop and actually think of what happened, it's like, dang, like. It's kind of unbelievable how it happened because other than me just praying for God, there is nothing that I really did that made all this stuff happen, right? And it's in that same way, I feel like when we're faced with difficult circumstances, it's easy for us to just believe that it's for, like, our destruction, that Satan wants to come and destroy us. And that's partly true. There may be times where Satan is coming and attacking you because the calling on your life is so great, it's so powerful. So he tries to kill an infancy where he can't destroy an adulthood. So when you step into the fullness of that promise, he can't take it away from you. And... Satan actually, he cannot take away the favor of God. He can't take away the promises of God. He can't take away the calling of God, but he can prevent you from walking into it. And so what he's going to try and do is disillusion you to the point where you stop believing in the promise, where you start believing, oh, this promise wasn't for me. Oh, God never actually called me to this. Oh, these things aren't really that something able that I'm able to obtain. But you're going to start thinking like, oh, man, maybe... I wasn't supposed to do that. Maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe that dream or passion that I had wasn't for me. And you start spiraling and believing and start um, questioning the promises of God. And that's where Satan wants to keep you. That's where Satan wants to drive you because each and every single person here in this room, you guys have a powerful destiny. And I want you guys to even just see the time that you have, whether you're a student now or whether you're working, the time that you have now is so vital. And it's easy to kind of, um, when you're going through the daily grind of going to class, studying, studying, staying up late for midterms, be like, what is all of this for? Like, what is the purpose of this? And you might have this goal. It's like, okay, once I graduate, it will all get better. Once I get this job, it's going to be better. Once I marry this person, my life is going to finally start. But the thing is, you need to be fully present with now. And I... Some of us, we might be studying something that we never intended to study. We might be working at a job that we never thought we would be working at. Maybe we're in school longer than we planned, and we're questioning, like, why is this happening to us? Why? Like, I don't understand. Like, how am I able to walk into the fullness of the promises? Am I walking the wrong road? What is happening? But we need to reanalyze and kind of and really take on the example of Paul. You need to kindle that fire of the Holy Spirit. And there are going to be times where it is mundane, where it's just waking up, going to work, or going to class, doing your bare minimum responsibilities, but you need to have great expectation. 
Just as Paul left greatly blessed, you need to have the expectation that when the season of your life is over, you're going to leave so much more blessed than the way you came. You're going to leave with your hands full, with everything that you need, with everything that you were um, equipped to, to go into, with all the tools that you need, with all the food that you need, with everything that you could possibly imagine. You have to believe that that's how you're going to walk out. That's the belief that we need. So I want to ask you, how are you viewing the season of your life? Are you just taking it for granted? Are you just waiting for the day to get off this island? Are you just waiting for the season of your life to be over so you can step into something greater? Or are you going to take advantage of this time that God has given you? Because this island moment, I think a lot of times we think of shipwreck as a negative thing, but actually, if we allow God to speak into it, it can be a time of the greatest redemption, of the time of the greatest breakthrough, the time of the greatest blessing. But are you going to view it that way, or are you going to remain in self-pity? Are you going to remain in frustration? Are you going to remain in hopelessness? I want you guys, if anything, these are the three things I want you to remember, three application points. Um, the first thing is you need to kindle the fire of the Holy Spirit. And this is the most important because without this one, you cannot do two or three, but the Holy Spirit is key, the, which is the presence of God. You need to be walking with the presence of God. And sometimes we go through seasons where it is difficult to connect to God, where it's difficult to hear from God, where we feel very distant from God. But the word of God says that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That is God's commitment to us. So as long as we are drawing near to God, asking God, will you draw near to me? Will you come and hear me? God's promise to you is that he will draw near to you. He will come and find you. And so we need to continually add wood to the fire. We need to continually take encouragement from those around us. We need to continually take the words of the leaders spoke, that our leaders have spoken over us. We need to take, continually read the word of God and continually burn that fire within our hearts because no one else can do it for us. And so it, one, kindle the fire of the Holy Spirit. And two, you need to be outward focused. The shipwreck moment, you guys, it is about you, but it's not about you. It's not about you. And just as Paul saw, he saw people get healed. He saw eventually, he might have not seen that himself, but people got saved. And it was all out of the response that he gave to that one incident. It was all about his heart condition. And you need to remember that your time here, yeah, you're stepping, God's equipping you for the promises. God's equipping you for your destiny, but it's not about you. There's so many people who are going to have their lives transformed because you walk in freedom, because you walk in boldness, because you walk in clarity. But if you are just stuck, just, oh, woe is me. I'm stuck on this island. I hate my life. I don't know where I'm going. There's people that may not get the revelation of God that they were supposed to get because you did not kindle the fire of the Holy Spirit, that you were not walking in accordance to the Holy Spirit. And you guys need to notice that you are part of a bigger plan. And especially for the students here on this campus, um, your time here is not just so you can get a job later on. Your time here is not just for you to be equipped in knowledge or to be equipped in relationships, but there's people in your classes, there's professors that are teaching you, there's people that you will walk by on campus that are walking in bondage, that are walking who need a doctor, who are sick, and they need someone to pray for them, to lay hands on them, and to declare healing upon them. But if you're not walking in alignment with the Spirit, if you don't have that freedom for yourself, if you don't have that clarity for yourself, how can you expect for them to be healed and set free? If you're not able to notice what the Holy Spirit is doing, how can someone who is completely blind be able to see what the Holy Spirit is doing? How can someone who is completely in the darkness, in lost See what the Holy Spirit is doing if the person who is supposed to be the light is walking and living under the bull. 
And so you need to kindle the fire of the Holy Spirit, but also be outward focused. Notice that there's sailors and there's islanders that are needing you to take your place, that are needing you to kindle the fire of the Holy Spirit, that are needing you to bring light to the island. And the last thing is have expectation. Just as Paul left with so much more than what he came with, God wants us to all walk through each season of our life with more than what we entered with. There are some things that, um, you know, we kind of want to do everything in our own timing or we have like a plan or we have a certain vision of how things should go. But sometimes we realize like it doesn't always go according to plan. But one thing that we can always remain steadfast in is that God has great things planned for us. Like God has a great blessing that he wants to pour out for us. If you look at your time on this campus for those who are students or even for staff who are working, um, the people that are around you, there's great relationships that you can expect to walk out of. There is great um, blessings in terms of maybe even in worldly knowledge that you get to walk out of. Maybe you get to discover your dreams and your passions while you're here. There's rich things that God wants to give to you, but you need to be open to receive it. You need to be willing to receive it. You need to lay down the places of um, your places of fear, the places of insecurity in your heart so that you can receive the fullness of the blessing of God.